Welcome to The Athlete Insider, a podcast designed to share the untold stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things and insight into the lives of Australia's top athletes beyond their arena. I'm your host, athlete and journalist, Ilana Withnor. Welcome back to episode six of the podcast. Today, we are joined by a member of the Australian climbing team, 2021 Olympic hopeful, Campbell Harrison. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Great. So basically, we always start the athlete insider with the three big need to knows. So when people think of you, what would you like them to resonate with yourself, Campbell? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think when people meet me, um, I always want to come across as like um, positive and sociable and I'd like people to come away with it generally, um, like positive feelings after meeting me. Um, and I like to be remembered for my like dedication to the sport and my involvement with the communities. Yeah. Oh, no, that's so lovely. I can resonate with that one. <laughs> Fantastic. And then we're going to go seven rounds with yourself, Campbell. Um, I chose the number seven because um, as a former heptathlete myself, there's seven events in the heptathlon. And as a rugby sevens player, I wear the number seven jersey on the field. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So number one, this is a, one of my favorite questions I've been asking all the athletes. What is your all-time favorite Disney film and why? Oh, my all-time favourite Disney film um, is Oliver and Company, which is actually probably one that's a little bit left of centre, um, but it's just a super cute, uh, like, Oliver Twist, Oliver Twist um, story uh, that I just have really nostalgic memories of from when I was really little, and I love the music, and I love the characters, and I love the way it's all played through, the, like, um, uh, that, like, sort of Disney-esque stray animal side of things. Um, yeah, I think it was like a, a really, really cool film as well for the time it was made. I think it's probably my favourite. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> cool. And number two. So this is a, probably a big one you get asked all the time. Um, why climbing? How did it come to find you? And what is your sporting background? Yeah, cool. So um, getting involved in climbing, I don't really know how it happened exactly. I think at the age of about eight, I just asked my dad if it was something that I could get involved in. I don't remember where I heard about it. I, I don't remember like what exactly appealed to me, but it was just, I was a kid who wanted a new activity and rock climbing seemed like a cool thing to do. Um, and it was a pretty gradual exposure. Like I started off climbing once a week, twice a week, and then slowly but surely got more and more involved. And then I started doing competitions at a local level, which very quickly progressed to national level competitions where I did surprisingly well. And, um, and yeah, and then just eventually got involved in the national team, which took a lot of work, but was really, really fulfilling. And I've really been enjoying all my work in that so far. Um, why climbing? Why climbing really resonates with me. I think, I think it's just a really dynamic and ever-changing sport. Like, you're always being presented with with new challenges every single time you step up to the wall um, and you're always employing a huge range of skills and you never know exactly which skills are going to come into play and which competition on which route 
Um, so you're always thinking and changing and having to change that approach. And I'm definitely the kind of person who needs to be constantly stimulated with new things. And as far as sport goes, climbing was perfect because I never really know what I'm exactly going to be preparing for. So there's lots of stuff to focus on every single day. It keeps training really interesting. Um, and what was the third aspect of the question? Sorry. Um, what was your sporting background? So, um, ah. yeah, have you done team sports, other individual sports growing up? Yeah. Um, I, I guess my sporting background before climbing was pretty varied, um, but I never really got into anything. And I wouldn't say I was necessarily a, a very naturally inclined or gifted athlete, um, especially with ball sports and team sports. They just never really resonated with me. I think I tried karate for a little bit, um, but it was like a little bit perfectionist for my liking. I, I kind of wanted to move on and keep things changing. Um, but then once I got involved in climbing, apart from like a little bit of running here and there, it was kind of all consuming really. Um, and I, I didn't really feel the need to invest too much else sport wise, I don't think. Yeah, cool. No, that's really interesting. Awesome. And uh, that brings us to number three. So sport climbing is obviously the new inclusion at the Olympic Games, the newly rescheduled 2021 Games. And um, it includes the three disciplines of speed, lead and bouldering. Can you please explain to our climbing novices um, how that sort of works in terms of how three disciplines can be in one competition? Is it over different days or the one day? And then how overall places are determined from that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so how all three disciplines were going to be incorporated was a, a complex question from the beginning, really. Uh, because climbing's always, well, competition climbing lease has always existed and it, it's three different variations. As you said, there's lead climbing, speed climbing and bouldering. Um, and so the basic breakdown of the three of those is uh, speed climbing is exactly what it sounds like. It's whoever can get to the top the fastest. Um, there's two parallel lanes. Um, the wall is exactly the same everywhere you go, every country, every city. Um, and so it's a matter of memorising that exact route, knowing the best method for you, and then being as quick as possible um, and not making any mistakes and that sort of thing. Um, and then uh, after speed, they do bouldering. Um, and so bouldering is a series of short routes. They're about um, four on walls. They're about four metres high with mats beneath you, so there are no ropes involved in bouldering. Um, and it's, it's just a matter of, uh, in the series of boulders, whoever can complete most of them in the least number of attempts um, wins that round, essentially. Um, so you get a certain amount of time to try and complete the boulder and as many attempts as you want within that time. Um, and then you get a rest period. Um, and then, yeah, so you alternate between resting and attempting. You try and complete those climbs from beginning to end in as few attempts as possible. Um, and then lead climbing is a much, much taller wall. So usually about 15 metres high and quite overhanging. Um, and that is a, it's, yeah, an overhanging route that gets progressively more difficult as it goes. And whoever gets the highest wins. Um, and you only get one attempt um, within a, a six-minute time limit. But usually people aren't looking to crack the time limit, you generally will be able to climb the route within the allotted time. And then so the way that uh, the ranking is obtained across all three rounds is just a basic multiplication. So whatever your placing was in each individual discipline, um, they multiply your scores together and then whoever has the lowest score wins, 
Um, and so obviously you have to be well versed across all three, but at the same time to be able to win the competition, you have to have like at least one discipline that you're capable of winning because obviously one times something is going to be significantly better in that system than a two or a three. So being able to be the best in a certain discipline and then quite proficient in the others is really valuable. Yeah, okay. I, I understand that coming from a heptathlon, it's very similar, um, but on a point-based system. So okay. you have your stronger events and your favorite events that you might place in, but sort of if someone comes second by, you know, um, three centimeters or something, the points won't be that varied. So I said yeah. down to the last event most of the time. So <laughs> based on that, do you have, I guess, a favorite or a um, your strongest discipline of the three? And then how do you break that down into a training week? How does your coach program that? Um, do you do any cross training or is it all on the wall? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, well, my favourite discipline is far and above lead climbing, um, which was the long wall and one attempt on the route. And it's more of an endurance space event, essentially. Um, it's always been my favourite before um, the Olympic prospects were even in view. I, I always favoured lead climbing. It's always my, my favourite discipline. Um, and I guess um, preparing for lead, I'd say it, it goes pretty hand in hand with bouldering. Um, because bouldering you need a lot of power and lead climbing you also need a lot of power you just need to be able to take it further essentially um, and so I would say like tailoring into my best discipline to make sure that I can perform on the day in lead as well as the others um, mostly just comes to like periodizing my training in the lead up like I'd say my training gets more and more lead specific as the comp gets closer not to the same extent as it would if i was competing in a, a lead world cup where i was only focusing on lead climbing i would still be incorporating bouldering and speed um into my program but basically i'm trying to build like the most broad base possible across all three disciplines and then towards the end i would definitely taper in to make sure that um on the day i'm ready to perform in, in that discipline because realistically my performance in lead is going to be the like key to how I perform in the competition overall just because it's it's the one that I have the best shot of of getting an advantage on. We make sure that I'm I'm ready to do well in that Yeah, cool. Awesome. Have you encountered many obstacles, um, both metaphorical and physical, uh, toward taking up the sport of climbing um, in Australia as not being a predominantly you would say top tier sport? Um, what would you say some of the obstacles to participation have been? Yeah, um, definitely some obstacles being involved in climbing. Um, relatively new, young sport. Um, I'd say the biggest obstacle is financial, um, realistically. So I'm still working as much as possible amongst the full-time training schedule to accrue the funds to be able to not only compete overseas, but to train overseas for large portions of the year as well, just because the facilities we have here are getting better and better literally every week until coronavirus happened. But um, the facilities internationally are really stand out far and above what we've got. So it's really important for me to take that time um, to train in Europe or Japan or somewhere where there are like slightly higher caliber of climbing um, before the events to make sure I'm in shape. 
Um, yeah, so financial is probably the biggest one. And then also coaching as well. Like we don't have a, a really, really high wealth of coaching experience that goes back much further than the last sort of 10 years of competition climbing. So it can be hard. At the moment, I, I don't have a coach. And for most of my climbing career, I actually haven't had a coach. Um, yeah, so that's definitely been uh, an obstacle. Um, but I have, like, I have a good support network that I can get um, advice from. I have people I can rely on. It's just finding, like, that one person that ticks all the boxes to work with all the time. And then the financial aspect of paying a coach and that sort of thing is definitely a factor in the sport. Wow. Oh, I give it to you. That's, um, <laughs> takes a lot of resilience and, um, you know, true grit and love for the sport, I'm sure, to continue. Yeah, uh, sure. What would you say is one of your fondest memories um, of your sporting career so far? That's a, that's a good question. There's, there's probably two. Um, and I think my first one, which is maybe the biggest one actually, was uh, my first World Youth Championship semi-final. Um, in 2014, um, it was just like a huge milestone for my career. Like I'd, I'd never been able to crack anywhere into the like competitive echelon of an international field before. And um, I just worked like so hard for that competition and I stepped out onto the wall on the first day of the comp you know, hoping, expecting to do better than I'd done before, but never really expecting to place in the, in the top 15, which is what I end up doing at the, at the end of the competition. And so that was a really huge milestone for me in kind of seeing the, like seeing my hard work really bear fruit. Like, oh, like A plus B equals C. Like if I really put in the hard work, then things can happen. Um, and then also making my first World Cup semi-final was a really, really big deal for me as well because I was the first Australian man to make a lead semi-final since the year I was born, I think. Wow. So it was uh, like a really, really cool achievement um, and one I definitely hope to replicate <laughs> in the near future. Yeah, for sure. I know that's, that's phenomenal. Wow. <laughs> and um, as an individual sport, predominantly being climbing, um, how are you finding these strange times during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic in terms of not necessarily having those physical teammates or people that you normally climb with around you to support you as you train in isolation? Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely hard, um, especially we, we don't have like a private national facility as of yet, so... A lot of us aren't actually climbing at all. We're um, conditioning and supplementing that training in every way possible, but um, like, I mean, just isn't an option, unfortunately. So that's definitely a huge obstacle, and, and not having my usual teammates and companions around is is tricky. I think I've gone through varying periods of my life where I've been more or less adapted to training on my own, and so like getting in there and getting psyched. Once I'm in the session, it's fine. I think I get everything out of it. I think sometimes it's just getting ready to, like, step out into the park to do a session rather than, like, into the gym where I know I'm going to see my friends and we're going to be able to, like, feed off of each other's energy. Um, so it's definitely tricky and it's definitely something I've struggled with over this period for sure. But it's, it's getting easier as we adapt and hopefully we don't have to do it for too much longer. 
That's it. I feel you. I think it's um, going to that intrinsic motivation and remembering why you're doing it. And um, yeah, there's a greater reason beyond all of this coldness. (laughs) And finally, uh, question seven. What is the legacy that you'd like to leave from your professional sporting career and to the next generation of climbers? Yeah, okay, wow. Um, I think the legacy I would like to leave is of someone who was very passionate for the sport um, in all of its facets. So beyond simply wanting to be internationally competitive and accrue trophies and medals and accolades, I want to be remembered as someone who was involved in the sport in lots of different ways um, and who is able to contribute to the growth of the sport ongoing. Uh, not just yeah, being an athlete, but being a coach, being a member of the um, national board, uh, being involved with the training facilities and the route setting and like, facilitating competition climbing, basically. So I'd like to be involved in lots of different ways and I hope that's what people will remember. Oh, definitely. No, that's great. In terms of continuing to grow the sport, um, you know, beyond your career. That's really lovely. And finally, um, beyond this pandemic, whenever the world allows, uh, what is your competition schedule sort of hopefully look like uh, for the near future? And uh, did you have any um, trips that you're sort of planning on um, or anything coming up? Yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, that's all very up in the air at the moment. Um, It kind of feels like every other week there's a competition being cancelled or postponed for the second or third time. So the immediate sort of 12 month future is, um, I don't think we could really say, um, our continental championships, which are the qualifications for me for the Olympic games have been postponed to the 19th of December, um, which is usually very much the off season for climbing. So um, we'll, but we'll see how that goes. There's still, you know, uh, lots of factors that need to be considered. But at the moment, it's all about preparation for that event. Um, and then beyond that, I guess, um, assuming that everything can go back to normal, hopefully the World Cup circuit um, in 2021. Um, but I'm also toying with the idea of uh, turning my attention to some rock climbing maybe for a little bit, um, which has been on the cards for a long time now. I just never really had the opportunity pursue it so there's lots of options um if the olympic games if i qualify for the olympic games then absolutely that will be 110 percent my focus um if i don't qualify for the olympic games then the wonderful thing about climbing is there's there's lots of other ways i can turn my focus and like maintain my passion for the sport so we just play it by ear and see how it goes really i think that's kind of all of any of us all that any of us can do really yeah fantastic Well, we've so loved hearing about your amazing journey and wish you all the very, very best towards that 2021 qualification, especially in these challenging times. No worries. Well, thank you for having me. I've had a really good time. And what a wonderful insight into the life of what it takes to be a sport climber. You can keep up to date with Campbell's journey by following him on Instagram at Campbell underscore Harrison 547 and on Facebook, Campbell Harrison. Until next time, keep dreaming and believing.